You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Sophie is off tonight. International media jammed into a Vancouver courthouse again today. The bail hearing continues for the CFO of a Chinese tech giant who was arrested in Vancouver last week. Meng Wanzhou is facing extradition to the U.S. on charges of fraud. Global's Ramina Dea is covering the hearing for us, and Ramina Meng is making an offer that she hopes the judge can't refuse. She's making a lot of offers through her lawyer, Chris. She is suggesting that she could pick up the cost of her own security monitoring, which appears to be a conflict of interest for Crown because she would essentially be paying her jailer. Outside Supreme Court today, the chaos continued as Hmong supporters demanded her freedom. Free Hmong now! Is there anybody chanting with me? The way the Canada handle is no good. Either uh, destroy the reputation of Canada. I think lots of people think Canada's doing help, doing like dirty work. Defense is asking the judge to release Hmong on 12 conditions, including an electronic monitoring bracelet. There would be GPS tracking, and officers with a private security firm, Chris, would also have eyes on Hmong 24-7. Now, two security firms told the court that they would work together to ensure the risk of flight is minimal. Hmong would reside at one of the family's two homes in Vancouver with her husband and daughter. The defense is also suggesting that Hmong's husband act as surety, putting up $1 million in cash and $14 million in property. Crown's concerns, the device can easily be removed with scissors, and if tampered with, there's a one-minute lag time before an alert is triggered. There's no guarantee that can be made to the court that Hmong won't flee. Crown says she has access to a vast amount of financial resources. Her father is worth an estimated $3.2 billion. Now, Justice Erkey did not make a decision on bail today. He still seems to be um, seeking some clarification on whether or not Hmong's husband could even act as surety, whether he could even be a guarantor, given he is not a resident of British Columbia. Chris. Lots of questions to be answered still. Thanks very much, Romina. Romina Dea for us in Vancouver. And there are some new developments tonight in another part of this very strange story. The apparent attempted break-in over the weekend at a Vancouver home owned by Juan Joe. As Catherine Urquhart reports, police are gone, but there is still a lot happening at the home. Chris, one of Meng Wangzhu's homes in Vancouver is here at 28th and Crown, and it has been the scene of a flurry of activity today. A number of security guards have been patrolling the property. This after a break-in here Sunday morning, when intruders were scared off by someone inside. Vancouver police confirm they have collected evidence but are saying little else about the case. They, they are overseas owners, um, and we probably see them about a week a year. There's some people in the summertime, uh, but other than that, there's not a lot of people. Also here today, a team of house cleaners. We've seen them dusting and appeared to be changing sheets. The housework likely being done in preparation for Hmong staying here. This, if and when, she's released on bail. Chris? Right, thanks very much, Catherine. Of course, this is no ordinary court proceeding, shadowed by threats of retaliation from China if Hmong isn't released. BC's growing trade relationship with China is also a major consideration here. And our Legislative Bureau Chief Keith Baldry has more on that from Victoria. Keith, 
This is putting the B.C. government in a bit of an uncomfortable position. Yeah, because uh, China basically is, is the second uh, leading trader with British Columbia. It's grown phenomenally over the last decade or so. So, uh, yeah, any any whisper of a trade war with China coming from China would adversely affect the B.C. economy in a significant fashion. Check out some of these figures we dug up. As I mentioned, it is the second largest trading partner in terms of ex commodity exports uh, going to China. Uh, $6.7 billion, $6 billion worth of exports last year. That's a tenfold increase since the year 2000, which is just remarkable. Also, exports on an annual basis go up about 16% a year. That's a reflection of China's rapidly growing economy. There's a constant appetite for BC materials, particularly in the forestry and mining sectors, to the tune of $3.1 billion in trade. A lot of building going on in China, and they're using a lot of BC materials to get that. And here's another little statistic which I think speaks volumes about how close we are tied to China. 51,000 Chinese students are hosted in BC, largely at post-secondary institutions. Now, BC's forest uh, BC, the BC government has postponed a trade trip to uh, China. Uh, Doug Donaldson, the forest minister, deciding not to go there and postponing it. But Jim Carr, the international trade minister for the federal government, points out there's still going to be a lot of people traveling to China from both political and business circles because it is an important trading nation. There will be politicians and business leaders who will continue uh, to go to China. As a matter of fact, just in the last number of weeks, there were four federal ministers in China, three premiers, uh, making important business decisions that will help create growth and jobs in Canada for Canadians. So as I mentioned, the B.C. government uh, postponing its trade delegation to China. Nevertheless, a number of forestry executives are, are continuing on their way there. So uh, trade missions will continue, and everyone's hoping we don't get that trade war with our second most important trading partner. Chris? No doubt. Thanks very much, Keith Baldry and Victoria, for us tonight. Now, ICBC has released a video showing the extreme lengths people will go to trying to defraud the insurance corporation. It was recorded in a parking garage, and as Aaron MacArthur reports, the scam is just one of thousands of attempts that likely cost ICBC hundreds of millions of dollars every year. It's a collision in slow motion. A man scrambles to stop his minivan from rolling backwards down an incline in an underground garage. Despite his efforts, he comes to a screeching halt thanks to a white SUV. But look at the bottom right of the screen. A third person jumps in on the action, pretending he was run over during the crash. This was a man in his 30s, and uh, when he did call in to make a claim, he told us that he was pinned under the vehicle for 10 to 20 seconds and suffered a fracture on his right foot. The claim was suspect from the beginning. There was no invoice from MSP for a doctor's visit, and the eyewitness provided by the would-be victim never materialized. Finally, a security guard in the garage provided the video. When you see footage like this, this should make people's blood boil because this affects everyone and we are all paying for it. Hey man, how's the recovery from your car crash coming? Neck any better? Office is nuts. Actually, I'm at physio right now. While the Crown Corp managed to avoid paying this bogus claim, fraud is worth a fortune to BC drivers. Last year, there were 16,000 flagged claims, where it was found 54% of them had some sort of fraud fraud one of the biggest cost factors facing the NDP's overhaul of ICBC? 
It could cost as much as $600 million a year. My goal is to get, uh, get rate increases um, uh, down to uh, at or below the rate of inflation. When and if ICBC starts to break even or make money, that money won't go to government. It'll go to reducing uh, uh, insurance rates for British Columbia. While this man wasn't paid out, he wasn't prosecuted either. He simply vanished, withdrawing his claim. ICBC says it does prosecute fraudsters if investigators can catch them. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. It's a gift that probably wasn't on the wish list for any Vancouver homeowners, a 5% property tax increase. There are a number of reasons the city says it needs to boost revenue. Grace Key breaks it down and has reaction. If you own property in Vancouver, get ready to pay more taxes. The city is reviewing its 2019 budget, and that includes a property tax hike of nearly 5%. A big part of that is from the province's new employer health tax that will fund the elimination of MSP. In that 4.9%, we had a 2.2% inflationary increase, right? So that's just the cost of living goes up for us too here at the city. Uh, And then we had the employment uh, health tax that was downloaded from the province, which is 1.7%. We have 1% of increase in our property tax, and that is for things like new police. So we're hiring more police officers, more firefighters, and we're working on the affordable housing file. If approved, the 4.9% increase would add an extra $41 for the median strata owner, an additional $108 for single-family home, and $193 for the median business property. It's getting mixed reviews from property owners. I haven't lived in Vancouver where there's been a year where property taxes haven't increased. I would say trim the fat, absolutely, because why not work with what we already have? Our parks are declining. There's a lot of work that needs to be done, and it's got to be paid for thought it was worth... Uh, Staff will be providing councillors with a detailed budget report on Tuesday with a decision expected the following week. um, I'm supporting this budget. What I've looked through, I I approve of. I think it's it's, um, well put together and and I do think we're getting a lot of bang for our buck. Property taxes aren't the only thing slated to go up. There's a proposed combined utility fee hike of 8.7% and you could be paying an extra 2% in recreational fees. Grace Key, Global News. The cost of natural gas is also going up for most British Columbians thanks in part to that ruptured pipeline near Prince George. Fortis BC says most customers on the mainland and Vancouver Island will pay 9% more starting January 1st. That's about $68 per year more for the average customer. Fortis says although the pipeline has been repaired, gas transmission will still be reduced through the winter while they test the integrity of the system. The higher rates still have to be reviewed by the BC Utilities Commission. We get our first look now at TransLink's plan for SkyTrain instead of LRT through Surrey. As expected, the mostly elevated track will follow the Fraser Highway out to Langley. But whether or not there's enough money to pay for the whole thing is still a question. And as Ted Chernecki reports, several details still have to fall into place to get it built. There's a certain irony in the very building where iron rails once carried Vancouverites all over the Lower Mainland. The old electrified interurban train system terminated here at Carroll and Pender. If I was alive in 1950, I could have actually taken a train from my house to right here in downtown Vancouver. Fast forward more than a hundred years and taxpayers are being asked to build another electrified railway, in this case running between Surrey and Langley along the Fraser Highway. But TransLink can't start until the mayors formally approve of the plan. 
If we get the go-ahead Thursday, we're going to begin work right away on things like uh, design, planning, consultation with the public, um, getting ready for procurement. We expect that to take somewhere between 13 to 15 months, and at that point we could start the RFQ process if the business case is approved by the province. That plan consists of eight SkyTrain stations over a 16-kilometer stretch of track. A preliminary estimated cost, $2.9 billion, or $181 million per kilometer. TransLink wants to use $1.6 billion previously approved for those now cancelled light rail projects. But that would only cover about half the line as far as Fleetwood. As we know, costs of construction continue to increase. Uh, like I said, soil is a big deal. Just look at the cost of the Massey Bridge compared to the Portman Bridge and look at the price difference in that. Then there's the question of who will use a Langley extension. TransLink's projected ridership is for an average of 2,500, one-seventh of the traffic at Broadway and Commercial. We're getting you know, commuters coming in from the Fraser Valley as well. So I, I don't necessarily agree with those numbers as well, neither. The Fraser Valley in some places has hundreds if not thousands of meters of glacial soil. Bedrock is very, very deep, making an elevated SkyTrain line a potential engineering nightmare. Ted Chernacki, Global News. But right now, an appalling report on the years of agony suffered by a little boy with autism has the Ministry of Children and Families once again facing some harsh criticism. Our legislative reporter Richard Zussman joins me now with the details. And Richard... The title of this report sadly says it all, Alone and Afraid. It does, Chris, and here is that report. And what it's describing is the moment when Charlie was found when he was 12 years old. It was the first actual contact he had with authorities. He was alone at home, underfed, surrounded by feces and garbage. And at that point, he was brought in uh, to support from the province, away from his parents. But the story started far before that. Let's look at some of the most disturbing parts of this report. First, no social worker saw Charlie. Charlie until he was removed from his mother's care at 12 years old. Charlie was discovered alone, screaming, surrounded by garbage and severely underweight, as I described. He missed more than 100 days of school over two years, and none of that was reported back uh, to the ministry. He wasn't diagnosed with the autism spectrum disorder until after his sixth birthday. The reason that's important is he started to show signs before he was three years old, and the fact he was after six meant he missed missed out on having important financial supports from the province, and social workers were too overworked to properly deal with Charlie's case. So there were lots and lots of red flags, which was is interesting about this, but there was that lack of knitting together, red flag here, red flag here, red flag here, what does this mean? I was horrified to learn of what we went through and the ways in which he was let down by a system that is meant to protect him. There are multiple recommendations in this report, 11 of them, Chris. They include better uh, coordination between the uh, Ministry of Education and Health in order to provide the services necessary, also increase the sort of resources the caseworkers need, but it also calls for a complete overhaul of the way these sort of services are handed to children in these situations with autism. All those recommendations are one the province says they will adopt, but they will take time, although the representative for children and youth, Chris, wants them to happen as soon as possible. Well, no doubt just a heartbreaking story about that little boy, but thankfully, Richard, there is something at least of a happy ending to this story.
Yeah, there is Chris. He's 15 years old now. He's in a foster home that uh, cares for his special needs. He's back at school. Uh, he is eating properly now and has gained some weight. So all of that is a good sign. But the message that came out of this today from the representative is there may be other Charlies out there. They want to make sure they don't fall through the cracks and the kids in this province that have autism uh, and other special needs are treated for and receive the supports that they need. Good to hear. Thanks very much, Richard Zussman, in Victoria for us tonight. And we're going to stay in the Capitol, where a Victoria councillor has reignited the debate over cities setting up Christmas decorations. Ben Eisen says taxpayers shouldn't pay for them, and he's convinced the city to review its policy. Kylie Stanton reports. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. I love the lights. You know, it's so pretty. People are just starting to get into the holiday spirit, buying gifts, putting up trees, and taking in all of the downtown decor. It's beginning to look a lot. But it could soon all come to an end. If this Victoria city councillor gets his way. I think there's still many elements of Christian symbolism that are paid for with taxpayer dollars. And for me, that doesn't reflect a clear division between church and state. Ben Isett wants to reevaluate how the city decks the halls. Many of the staples are out. It's the Christmas trees, it's the hollies that sort of ruffle my sensibilities in terms of the expenditure of tax dollars. And don't even get them started on poinsettias. I don't want a poinsettia. It is a symbol of the Christian faith. Isit did not return repeated calls for comment, apparently not willing to touch the issue with a 10-foot Douglas fir. Not surprising, given the amount of backlash his idea has generated. I figured, Ben, what the heck are you doing? Like, I mean, really? I don't agree, no. Just get over it. It's fun. It's lights and trees and... Everybody enjoys it. Why take that away? Even council's only visible minority and a Muslim doesn't share the concern. I'm personally not offended. Any Christmas or any other holiday decorations and I love the lightning. Still, ICIT has won council support to conduct a review of the city's seasonal decorations. But before people start asking... Where are you Christmas? Staff has to report back with options for further secularizing or increasing the diversity of the cultural elements on display. May as well enjoy those lights, trees, banners, ornaments, and packages while you can. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria. Well, we're heading into the final Christmas shopping push, and fraudsters are trying to take full advantage. Our Consumer Matters reporter, Andrea, is here with the top holiday scams and how to avoid them. Mm -hmm. It's unfortunate, but it's a busy time of year for scam artists. For sure. Thanks, Chris. The Better Business Bureau sees a surge in holiday scams every year, just with the sheer volume of transactions in-store and online. In fact, according to the Competition Bureau, between January 2014 and December 2017, Canadians lost more than 405 million dollars due to fraudsters this season watch out watch for out for shipping, shipping notifications in your inbox the phishing scam will ask you to click on a link that will download malware in order to steal 
your identity and passwords. Be careful with e-cards. Don't click if you don't recognize the sender's name or if you must share any extra information to get the card. Beware of phony charities. Do your research before donating to ensure your cash is going to a registered charity that can give you a tax receipt. If you're taking a temporary holiday job, watch out for fake employment scams. Don't pay for a job lead or share personal information online. Apply in person or check retailer websites to see who is hiring. And finally, pop-up ads or emails promising free gift cards are often just a ruse to grab your personal details for identity theft. With uh, retailers now, with the brick and mortar, uh, moving to chip readers and those types of security measures, we're seeing the shift um, move over to online for scammers. Even through WhatsApp, you'll get a voucher, an offer of a voucher, and really what the scammers are wanting you to do is they're wanting, again, to click on a dangerous link and or, in some cases, they're asking you to forward it to a number of your friends and family, uh, and that's uh, just spreading malware uh, or the potential of, and then you'll end up being the Grinch for Christmas. The Better Business Bureau also recommends protecting your credit card information when shopping online, especially when you're entering your personal information on sites. Make sure the site is always from a secure, trusted, and credible source. And if you have a consumer issue for me, there's my email address at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. All right, and thank you very much. And speaking of holiday advice, Vancouver International Airport is handing out its annual travel tips. YVR says its busiest holiday travel periods will see some 90,000 passengers a day go through the system. Of course, they advise everyone to arrive early, and they also recommend not wrapping your gifts because they will probably be inspected. The biggest tips here. Think ahead and plan ahead right from home. Starts with checking in online, get your boarding pass sent to your mobile phone or print it off at home, and bring it to the airport. That always saves you a step already. And if you leave yourself an extra hour right from home for the busy traffic on the roads, getting parking, checking in with your airline and then going through security, you're already ahead of the game and you can de-stress that whole feeling of, uh, of all the different things to do. A Michigan state trooper's dash cam captures a very close call on a rural highway. The trooper suddenly drives up on some deer that seem to emerge out of nowhere. We'll show it to you again, giving him no chance to slow down. Thankfully, he managed to swerve in between them, somehow missing them all. Now that Brexit bombshell in London as British Prime Minister Theresa May cancelled tomorrow's vote on her Brexit deal, knowing she was going to lose. And as Bill Neely reports, May is joined by French President Emmanuel Macron facing his own national economic crisis. Two leaders, two crises. Tonight, their futures at stake. For France's President Macron, the threats from the street. Thousands protesting Saturday, running battles with riot police. Revolution, the cry. It's the start of a revolution. Their targets, high taxes and Macron. Tonight, he responded, promising the minimum wage will rise by more than $100 a month. The protesters have dismissed Macron's concessions as too little too late. And they say they'll be back here on the Champs-Élysées next weekend. In Britain, protests against Prime Minister May over her controversial Brexit deal taking Britain out of the European Union. Today, facing a huge defeat over it, she killed a vote. If we went ahead and held the vote tomorrow, the deal would be rejected by a significant margin. This shambolic government. Unpopular leaders, 
uncertain times, two nations in turmoil. Bill Neely, NBC News. Two police officers in Brooklyn have been placed on modified duty after a shocking video went viral. The officers were trying to arrest 23-year-old Jasmine Headley on a drug charge. She had come to the crowded government office to ask for daycare vouchers for her one-year-old son so she could work as a cleaner. She says she was sitting on the floor because there was nowhere else to sit. She faces a number of charges now, but activists are demanding they be dropped. The city's Department of Social Services says it's investigating the incident. The video, of course, does not show what led up to the confrontation with police. In Health Matters tonight, when it comes to cancer, we're often told early detection saves lives. But because tests sometimes do more harm than good, experts have said women under the age of 50 should not get an annual mammogram. But tonight, that message is changing. Jacqueline Music is a healthy 29-year-old, but a few years ago, she underwent surgery. Doctors were concerned after a mammogram revealed a mass on her left breast. And I went for surgery at Foothills to get it completely removed. So it was determined then it was completely negative, non-cancerous. The unnecessary surgery Jacqueline experienced is what researchers refer to as a harm related to regular breast cancer screening. And it's why, for years, experts have recommended against the regular screening of women under age 50 who are considered normal risk. We don't want to say that it does not have any benefit. However, the harms are more significant in this age group. According to research for normal risk women between the age of 40 and 49, screening 1,000 women over seven years will result in 300 false positives, while preventing a cancer death in less than one. Still, any life saved is significant, which is why the Canadian Task Force has updated its recommendation, now saying that patients need to weigh the risks and benefits with their own personal values to determine if getting that annual mammogram is worth it. If we provide information to you and you bring in your values to help with your preferences, um, no matter what age, that is what's right for you. It's definitely worth it. I'd much rather find out that it's negative than not get screened and find out later that it's too late. Heather Yurick's West, Global News, Calgary. Join Global News Morning and Rock 101 Live at the 31st Annual Pan Pacific Christmas Wish Breakfast. Come along, donate a new unwrapped toy, enjoy breakfast on the house, and help children's Christmas dreams come true. I am ready. Thursday, 6 to 9 a.m. A bear lurking around the front porch in Florida, what it was after, right after the forecast. And just before we throw it over to Christy, the latest on the punishing winter storm hitting the southern U.S. Snow, sleet and freezing rain pounding states from Georgia to West Virginia. And forecasters say tomorrow might not be much better. Buried under a blanket of snow, sleet, and freezing rain, tonight this is the frozen fallout from a massive winter storm crippling the southeast. Roads ain't plowed in the secondary road. We're going to be stuck at home. With up to 34 inches of snow smothering parts of North Carolina, so heavy a roof collapsed at this marina. <sighs> Highways and roads littered with hundreds of spinouts from Virginia to North Carolina. Treacherous conditions turning deadly. Unfortunately, the snow has turned into a nightmare and a tragedy for some. After historic snowfall in some communities, the whiteout triggered a blackout. 
hundreds of thousands losing power, the governor ordering the National Guard to carry out rescues. In Wilkesboro, North Carolina, Andrea Goodwin's 64-year-old father was stranded and in need of dialysis. If he had missed a day, it really would have put his life in more complications. It's a life-saving procedure. With schools and businesses shut down, crews are working around the clock. Hundreds of flights still canceled. Black ice paralyzing the region. Absolutely worse than I thought. Tonight, the southeast shoveling out after a deadly deep freeze. Well, local mountains dealing with a lot of man-made snow, but that might change pretty quickly. Let's check in with Christy Gordon now for a look at our forecast. Christy? And that's right. So we missed our possibility of snow on Friday night. Thankfully for a lot of people, this next system is set to push in and it is a doozy. And it's going to be one thing after another this week with wind and rain for areas lower down and a ton of snow for the mountains. And that means all mountain passes in the interior uh, anywhere east of Hope and north of Squamish. There's the wind warnings for basically all of the south coast, mainly along the coast. Southeast winds will develop early tomorrow morning, 60 to 80 kilometers an hour. Continuing throughout the day, focusing in on the lower mainland, the areas we're concerned about for those winds are from Richmond through Tawasson all the way over to Langley. For rainfall, yes, as always, along the North Shore Mountains from West Vancouver, extending east towards Maple Ridge, Coquitlam, you're included in that, 50 to 60 millimeters, and that's tonight through much of our Tuesday. I expect the rain, though, to begin to ease off tomorrow afternoon, so it's not the entire day, but once period time period I'm concerned about is the commute to work tomorrow morning. Southern tip of Vancouver Island and all of the lower mainland could see heavy rain. So we're talking about localized flooding, pooling water on the roads, and yes, a very slow commute. For the rainfall, the highest amounts again towards the north, but we will still see significant amounts in areas like Surrey, White Rock only 21, but much uh, further north in Surrey, just 40 millimeters expected there. Now, for the wind forecast, again, it's along coastal regions and it will pick up through the early morning hours. We could see some power outages. We'll be watching for that. Some areas may not see the winds ease off until Wednesday morning and a ton of snow. So 25 centimeters possible on the Coquihalla and Allison Pass. And this is through till tomorrow morning. Pardon me. Uh, Wednesday morning, I should say. Across the northern regions, periods of rain, some breaks of blue sky towards the north, but we will see heavy snow in areas like Revelstoke, extending over towards Golden and up towards Valmont. Nelson, Castlegar will see snowfall 10 centimeters possible for your area and wind and rain all across the south coast region. Again, it's southern regions of the lower mainland that will see the wind, the heaviest rain across the north. Wednesday morning will be dry, crisp, but it will be wet again Wednesday afternoon. And you can see one thing after another. We have a whole series of storms that are headed our way. But the good news, it means a ton of snow for the mountains. Could be a lot more photos like that coming our way, it That's sounds right. like. That's right. All right, thanks a lot, Christy. A family's security camera captures a bear sniffing out its next meal. At first, we just see the bear's silhouette through that blind there as it pushes the fabric aside. The reason for its determination? Well, that bag on the other side is full of dog food. No word on what happened next, but apparently a few years ago, another bear in Florida wolfed down a big bag of dog food and fell asleep on the front lawn. <laughs> he made away with a pretty good meal there, I would say. A lot of melatonin in that dog food? I was <laughs> Maybe. wondering. Maybe it's well, turkey. Don't you feel like having a nap? You like feel like having a nap when you got a full tummy.
I can't think of any names right now, but there are a lot of people from Calgary who made the really good choice to move out west. <laughs> Welcome to God's country, my Yeah, man. That's, a, that's how I would describe uh, it. Yeah, although you took a little bit of a detour through Texas, New York, and then you got here. That's true. But you came to the right place. <laughs> We're glad you did. Uh, it looks like the man who built the Stampeders championship defense is coming to Vancouver to build up the Lions. Devon Claybrooks will likely be introduced by the Lions tomorrow afternoon as Wally Bono's replacement as head coach. He's been a guy a number of teams in the CFL have looked at for a head coaching job the last couple of years. He played in the CFL as a defensive lineman. He was also in the NFL, bounced around, but he did win a Super Bowl with Tampa Bay in 2003, and he's been an assistant coach with the Stamps since 2012. And he can wear shorts with no socks in Edmonton during November. So he's tough. He's the kind of coach players love, big personality, big community guy, survived a real scare in August when a diabetic incident sent him into intensive care for nine days. Doctors say it's a miracle he came out okay, but he was on the sidelines for the Stamps breakup win. Well, Elias Pettersson, first star of the week in the NHL. Why not? Had a five-point game yesterday against the Blues. A couple of game-winning goals this week, or last week now, I guess. Uh, one thing about him, his passing ability, outrageous. Shooting ability, outrageous. And he now has two five-point games, and it's not even the end of December in his first season. There you go. Vancouver Whitecaps new boss Mark DeSanto has made some moves today. He got his goalkeeping set for 2019, figured out who should be exposed in the expansion draft for the new team in Cincinnati, brought in former Sounder midfielder Andy Rose in a trade, and also decided to officially say goodbye to Kai. Another year and it's another search for a striker for the Whitecaps as Kai Kamara will not be coming back in 2019. But don't expect his replacement to be a big name, big salary player. It's going to be invested inside the team and the club and not, we're not looking to invest in one player and big marquee player right now. So that means next season will be the seventh straight year a different striker will lead this team in scoring. We've seen Montero, Mane and Rivero. So now the search is on for the next Camillo, who still holds the club record with 22 goals back in 2013. We have the profiling players that we want to bring. We're looking at different, a lot, a lot of different players from different countries. Uh, but now we're trimming pretty much and, and we hope that, you know, we're going to get the right ones here. The one area the new coach believes he has the right ones is in goal. Zach McMath, likely the number one starter, has the experience playing eight seasons in MLS. Maxime Crapo is a prospect and did get some action against the Caps in 2017. He's a keeper the coach knows well. I was still in Montreal when I first met Max when he was a kid in the academy, so he feels the chance or the, the, the environment to, to become a number one or to fight in a realistic way for that spot. He feels here we're going to give him that. As for the captain, he said he wanted out of Vancouver after Carl Robinson was fired, and it looks like he may get his wish soon. Kendall uh, said what he said at the end of the season on where he wanted to be and what he wanted to do. He's still thinking a little bit like that, so, so you'll know more soon. Do you expect him back? Me, no. You don't, you don't think he's coming back? Me, I don't expect him back, no. 
Well, it didn't hurt, yes, he was honest, that's for sure. It didn't hurt the New England Patriots quite the way David Tyree catching a ball with his helmet did in Super Bowl 42. But the Miami miracle yesterday was close. The Patriots were expecting a Hail Mary to the end zone by the Dolphins. Instead, they got a rugby play. What was strange is Dolphins quarterback Ryan Tannehill wasn't likely to try and throw a 70-yard pass. So why defend against that? It was a rare moment when Bill Belichick overcoached a play. Seven seconds left. Tannehill will throw it. And this will end it after the shovel. Or will it? Miami running around, circling. Oh, look out! Gronkowski didn't have the angle. Touchdown! Oh, Drake! A miracle! The name of this play is Boise, named after Boise State, which won the 2007 Fiesta Bowl with a trick play. It has been practiced every week by the Dolphins, but never used. And it looked like Kenyon Drake wanted to lateral it again before he discovered all he had to do was keep on running. Uh, I kind of had a great view of, of the whole thing. Came back inside. Um, then I saw him and Gronk about 10 yards away. I was like, Gronk's on the field. We got this, you know. Uh, yeah, so it was, uh, it was pretty amazing. You know, just uh, I was falling behind and I actually I kind of just turned around and collapsed. Um, just with the emotion of the, the whole thing. The moral of the story, don't use Gronk as a DB. Matt Hasselback raising the 12. Monday night, Seattle and Minnesota down the I-5. Red zone, Russell Wilson goes down. So they bring on the world's largest kicker, Sebastian Janikowski. He probably is bigger than some linebackers, and that made it 3-0. Another chance late in the half, Seahawks in the red zone. Rare mistake by Russell Wilson. No, no, just throw it away now. But don't throw it away like this. This could have been a pick six. They were lucky it wasn't. 3 nothing Seattle just starting the third. Here is a look at today's snow report. Whistler Blackcomb, a base of 88 centimeters with 14 new. The base at Grouse is 30 centimeters, 10 Cypress. Sasquatch opening date to be determined. Revelstoke, a base of 112. Fernie 85, Manning Park's opening date to be determined as well, and Whitewater a base of 106. Big White a base of 98, Silver Star 111, Sun Peaks 92, 5 to 15 centimeters of fresh snow has fallen there the last 24 hours. Kicking Horse a base of 72, Powder King 100, and opening date still to be determined at Mount Washington. Coming up on ET Canada, the Oscar host controversy continues. Why nobody wants the job. Plus, Jennifer Lopez and Leah Remini team up for a rom-com. That's coming up at 7, right after the news hour. Back to you, Chris. All right, thank you very much, Carlo. Okay, so if you were to run down the list of Mother Nature's most romantic creatures, chances are lobsters would not be on that list. Or, or if they were, it'd be down near the bottom. But rock don't, lobsters would be. Rock lobsters, yeah. B-52s, maybe. Don't tell that, however, to a couple of newlyweds in Alberta who just tied the knot in the seafood department, and Sarah Krause explains why. No, they're not getting groceries. Believe it or not, they're here for a wedding. And so are they. These lobsters are the guests of honor. They helped snag the catch of the day, the bride, of course. We met almost four years ago in front of the lobster tank. Travis has a, uh, a nice little connection to the the people that come in and the kids, he would bring a lobster out and he would show the kids and they could touch it. 
and he did the same thing with her kids and that started the connection of them getting to know each other. We knew we weren't going to have a big wedding so we tried to figure out what was the most meaningful spot for us and shopping for five kids at the time, I was in here almost every, every day. day. <laughs> and seeing him, so this is where it started and this is where we grew. Thus, a one-of-a-kind wedding in the Sobeys Meat Department, where Travis works. They're getting married in front of the lobster. His sister isn't surprised. You can't get any more maritime than that. That's just, that's a wonderful thing. I mean, something that the, I'm sure their little daughter will get a kick out of that later on. Her family in New Brunswick watched the nuptials live over social media. You see Uncle John over there? From a stuffed lobster to hold the rings to a pair of lobsters in love atop the cake, the ceremony went swimmingly. And Travis, you may kiss the bride. So. <laughs> the Dukoviches hope to be holding claws for decades to come. Reporting from Red Deer, Sarah Krause, Global News. That's awesome. That is very cute, isn't it? Yeah. You never know when, it, it when romance will strike. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. A little bit of lemon butter and it's... <laughs> Oh, fully cooked. Yeah. Uh, okay, there were three words to strike fear into the hearts of anyone trying to drive through the Coquihalla. Right. Or over the Coquihalla in the next little while. What was it? Snow. Snow. Rain. Ice. No. Wind. Wind was another one, wasn't it? All rain, of them. Rain and wind for the south coast. Anywhere north of Squamish, east of Hope, significant snow mm -hmm. on the highways. And as well on our local mountains, which would be great. Uh, so if you can get up skiing or snowshoeing it's gonna be a big it's gonna be puking snow as they say puking snow that's right, right. forward to that thanks. that sounds romantic too yeah <laughs> sophie should be back tomorrow and thank you very much for watching tonight see ya